This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. Roger Federer has often made it look astonishingly easy through the decades, carving backhands, gliding to forehands, leaping for overheads, and and his most gravity-defying act remaining high on a pedestal in a world of sports rightfully flooded with cynicism. But his path from temperamental, bleach-blonde teenager with dubious style sense to one of the greatest, most self-possessed and elegant of competitors has been a long-running act of will, not destiny. He not only had a great gift, he had grit, too. Christopher Clary, one of the top international sports writers working today, has covered Federer since the beginning of his professional career. Christopher Clary is the tennis correspondent for the New York Times and has covered international sports for nearly 30 years for the Times and International Herald Tribune, where he was chief sports correspondent and a longtime columnist. Happy to have Christopher Clary join me now here on Speaking of Writers, Chris, welcome to this program. Hey, Steve, great to be with you. I appreciate that good intro there. Yeah, those words sound familiar. <laughs> Thank you. You know, there have been other biographies on Federer. But what makes yours different and special? Well, I think that's for other people to judge, not me, in terms of the special part. But I think the idea I had was I just felt like I've never had this experience in my career where I had this much quality access over such a long period of time with such a prominent athlete and somebody who was really... Uh, Beloved and, I think, followed worldwide. He's a real worldwide star. And I just felt that I would have, as a journalist, having had all that opportunity and considering how much how much of those interviews had hit the cutting room floor over the years, you know, I just felt like I would really regret it if I didn't do it. And I also felt like this era in men's tennis in which Roger has dwelled and an era in which he has played a leading role has been such a special era you know, for any sport, not just tennis. These guys with Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic going at it so often in big, big matches with so many epic matches, and having had the chance really to get to know all of them on a, on a pretty deep level uh, journalistically. So it just it felt to me like that was the main reason to do it, to capture Roger and the era, but also I think in a way I was ready. I'm in my mid-50s. I've been covering sport, like you said, for a long time. I was ready to sort of go long form and have a chance to, uh, to really spend some time exploring these themes and, and do it. Uh, in a way that you can't do in a thousand-word newspaper article. We're chatting with Christopher Clary. His new book is The Master, The Long Run and Beautiful Game of Roger Federer. We'll talk about the U.S. Open. as we're, Full disclosure, we're recording this on the eve of the U.S. Open, and we'll talk about his injury uh, in just a, a moment here. So why should we care, Christopher, about Roger Federer? Well, I think... In a way, if you're not a big tennis fan, it's obviously a little bit harder because Roger plays a sport that is not mainstream in the United States in a lot of ways. It's mainstream in a lot of places, though. Certainly in Europe and Australia, still in those those countries uh, around the world, it is a number two or number three sport in a lot of times, which is not the case in the U.S. anymore. But I do feel like what Roger has is this amazing sort of transcendent elegance in his game and enduring excellence, which we really admire in athletes. I mean, it's all the rage right now. You think of guys like Tom Brady and what he's been able to do. I mean, Rogers, in many ways, tennis is equivalent of Tom Brady. And I think what's interesting, too, and you mentioned it in the intro there from the, from the beginning of the book, it's just that it is quite something in this era of social media and constant scrutiny and all the opportunities you have to, frankly, screw up out there over 20 years in the public eye to have had such a long, clean run and have done it with a lot of class and have shown a lot of personal growth along the way. So I felt like there were a lot of things we could take away as general readers and outsiders from his story 
and I tried to highlight those in the, in the narrative of the book. So I think there's a lot there to, to hold on to for a general audience, somebody who might have heard of Federer but not followed tennis closely. 20-time Grand Slam champion is Roger Federer. No U.S. Open for him this year, along with Rafael Nadal as well. Um, and another top player, too. Tam also is out of it, too, right? Yeah, Tim is a defending champion for the men's side who you know finally broke through and won his first Grand Slam title last year in a tournament that was missing Nadal and Federer as well because of the pandemic and also was sort of missing Djokovic because he uh, eliminated himself by hitting a linesman in the throat yes. uh, with the ball and got defaulted. So team grabbed that opportunity. He's a talented, very spectacular player, but he's had big wrist problems and has had uh, a tough time backing it up. So it, in terms of Roger and, uh, and Rafa, though, and Serena's news today on the women's side that she's also not going to play. I mean, it's the first time in almost a quarter century, Steve, that we haven't had those three big players in the U.S. Open. 1997 was the last time. So it'll be a very different feel for the Open this year. So Federer facing knee surgery. Uh, when did these knee issues start with him, Christopher? You know, he's not very forthcoming about his injuries. He's quite forthcoming about other things, but not so much about his injuries. So I, I'm not sure I even know the answer to that question when it first really began. He might have had some issues before. He had his first big problem that became public. But the first thing we really know about was uh, in uh, late January 2016 at the Australian Open, after he was eliminated, he was running a bath for his two young twin daughters in Melbourne, Australia, and he turned and twisted, and he felt a middle-aged click <laughs> in his knee. And that turned out to be a meniscus tear, which a lot of us can relate to probably, but you know, not Roger Federer at his, at his stage in his life. I think it was uh, unexpected. Ended up getting surgery, his first of his career of any sort. He sold us, came back, and came back a little too soon, I think. Ended up having to take a big break at the end of the year, six months off that year. But then he came back in 2017 and played some of the best tennis he's ever played. Won three more majors, including another Wimbledon, and began to beat Rafael Nadal consistently. So that was a real, a real renaissance for him. Yeah, Christopher Nadal, very open about his injuries. Even Djokovic, too, when he's been hurting, too. But, but Roger never complained about it. Like you just said, you know, you never knew, you know, even when this started. Yeah, I mean, I he's also had back problems uh, running through his career that started very early. I think they're disc-related and degenerative, so he's had to fight with that as well. So it's not been a pain-free run, no matter how easy he's made it look. And that could apply to his whole career, you know, frankly, Steve. I mean, he's done so many things that look easy and smooth, but if you go behind the scenes, like I tried to do with this book, you realize there's a lot of grit and sweat and effort behind it all. So it's kind of like... Uh, Fitness trainer Pierre Paganini used a great image. He compared it to a ballet dancer. You got to work so hard to make it look that good. You know, there's a lot of truth in that with him. And I think the uh, amazing thing about him is he's really, despite that uh, that beautiful game, it's also beautiful grit. He's a guy who's never in his entire career, more than well over a thousand matches, has ever retired during a match uh, on the pro circuit, which is an incredible statistic for anybody you know on the outside or even on the inside of tennis. Players just shake their heads at that, and that shows you you know. He picks his spots to play when he's healthy. He's smart about it, and he's preserved himself well until pretty recently. But he also has a lot of you know internal fire, and he wants to compete. He just turned 40, right, uh, what, a couple weeks ago? Yes, he did, on August 8th, yeah. Mm. Okay, I know this. You're, being, you're asked this a lot probably. I mean, what do you think? I know it's going to be really hard to answer this question, you know, about his chances of coming back from this surgery at this age. We don't know exactly what kind of surgery it is. Mm -hmm. I think based on what he's told us, that he's going to be on crutches for you know a few weeks and out for several months. Um, that indicates it's not your average sort of intervention in the knee. And 
Um, he hasn't even told us exactly which knee it is, but he's had trouble with both and surgery on both now. So whatever it is, it's not going to be the first time. And um, he is, you know, 40 years old, which is a tremendously advanced age for a tennis player to be competitive. And so I feel like just based on that aspect of it, that it's repetitive injuries, that he is that age and can't be as fast as he once was, and that there's all these young guys emerging, and you still have Novak in the picture, and I think Rafa will come back from his foot injury and, uh, and play again. So it's just a lot of people to get through to win major titles, and I just don't see, I don't see Roger having that ability at this stage of his career. We're chatting with Christopher Clary. The book is The Master, the long-run and beautiful game of Roger Federer. So is this going to be a walk in the park for Novak, you think, at the U.S. Open this year? You know, if you're a, a casual fan and you see his record, you'd say yes. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be the case. I think these young guys, there are three of them in particular. Alexander Zverev, big yeah. German, who won the Olympic gold medal and beat Novak along the way. Uh, Daniel Medvedev, who reached the final in the U.S. Open against Nadal in 2019, played a great five-set match and is a wonderful hardcore player, also a big, tall guy who absorbs pace incredibly well. And then you got Stefano Tsitsipas, who's sort of the, the flashiest, most uh, photogenic, telegenic of the crew, and he's had a great season and, and has beaten Djokovic before as well. So I think I played him tough in some slams. I do feel like it's not going to be easy. I think Novak's going to have to be awfully good to pull this off. It's also coming at the end of a season where he's played a lot of tennis and a lot of emotional tennis. So I think it will be a challenge for him. And I think even without Rafa and Roger and team, I think it will be one of the most fascinating U.S. Opens we've seen in a while because of what Novak's trying to do. The Grand, the grand Slam, completed, the true one. Yes. Calendar year hasn't been done in 50 years mm. for the men. Final question for you. If this is it for Roger... Uh, after this this upcoming knee surgery, what do you think his lasting legacy on the game is? Well, I think Roger has shown that you can handle superstar status um, with class for a long period of time, that you can treat people who uh, can do a lot for you and people who don't have to do a lot for you, who you can't you know, really help you, whether it's a taxi driver or a courtesy car driver or somebody changing the towels in the locker room. You can treat them all with respect and interest and curiosity. And that sort of class is, is hard to find these days. It's always probably been not easy to find, but it's even harder now, I think, in the era we're in where athletes are so separated from everybody. So I think he's shown the younger players coming up that there are ways to, to have that role and play that leading role and, and do it in a way that um, has a lot of empathy, frankly. And hopefully that will carry forward. And I think also he's kept the one-handed backhand alive on the men's side. Guys like Sitsipas and... Um, Dennis Shapovala from Canada and Muzetti, this young Italian, all have fantastic one-handers. That comes from watching Roger and realizing that shot is not dead. Looking forward to reading your coverage of this year's U.S. Open in the New York Times. Christopher Clary, the book, The Master, The Long-Run and Beautiful Game of Roger Federer. Thank you for joining me. Hey, Steve, great questions, good conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you, Christopher. And this is Speaking of Writers.